Hi, welcome to the Whole Therapist Podcast. We're leaving out the theorizing and exploring this strange phenomenon of being a human and a therapist. I'm Kelly, licensed marriage and family therapist, working in private practice settings as a clinician and a clinical supervisor in the Denver metro area. And I'm Abby. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and the owner of a group practice in the Denver metro area. Kelly and I are both registered play therapists, supervisors, and EMDR certified. So we're both therapists, but this is not therapy. And we're both supervisors, but this is not supervision. This podcast is purely for fun. So for any ethical concerns on your caseload, please refer to your state laws and licensing boards. And please remember to follow The Whole Therapist on Instagram, Facebook, and subscribe on your favorite podcast listening station. For more resources, blogs, and consultation opportunities, visit wholetherapistinstitute.com. So come join our conversation while we explore the embodied experience of neuroscience and authenticity in the therapy room. Hi, welcome to the Whole Therapist Podcast. I'm Kelly. And I'm Abby. Welcome to our second episode of season three. We're so glad to be with you all. We are smiling as we're starting this and also holding at the same time that we want to talk about grief today. And some of you that have been with us for a while might think, wait, didn't they already do an episode on grief? We did. And we're having this parallel process of needing to welcome it again as a topic and not ever being fully done. There is that part of me that thinks, okay, check, talked about grief. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, I think that the the climate in our culture right now is really pushing us to all lean in Mm -hmm. to the unfolding of grief and how that looks different. That looks different for therapists. Yeah. Right. This podcast is for therapists. So part of me just really wants to like reach out and give you all an energetic hug because there's so much grief for each of us and that we're sitting with every day with clients and we have to hold the hope for them. So part of it is I want to talk about like, where, where's your water source for hope? Because mm. we need that with grief. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because right. I mean, you can just get sucked dry so quickly. Yeah. Yes. I could just completely dehydrated. I have to say my partner and I just talked about this. He's talking about politics again. Oh, <laughs> I was just like, honey, I can't talk about this. I don't need to talk about things that don't matter. But I need depth with beauty Mm -hmm. or depth with hope Mm -hmm. outside of my work right now Mm -hmm. in a way that I haven't needed to encounter in a long time. Like I'm just needing more of that conversation. And so it was funny because he showed me a picture of this goofy looking jellyfish and how amazing it was. And it's like, yeah, I need some wonder and awe and uh, otherworldly beauty or something. I can't talk about politics. That's like the most there's a lot of grief in in all of that too. So um, if you're needing to have different conversations with your people around how they can support you, that seemed to be helpful in my personal life to just say like, I actually need a lot of depth still, but not negative or not painful. Or even setting some of those boundaries around folks that maybe aren't therapists, but maybe they come to you and and it feels like, it's not just like a friend to friend conversation. It feels like maybe... Yes. They, I hate the word using, but like using you partly for therapy mm-hmm. or even as minimal as like, hey, can you give me a referral for a therapist? Yeah. Right. It's really hard to be that go-to person. Yes. 
So I think there's also a piece of just setting some boundaries, whether that's what Abby's speaking to of like, here's the conversations I can and open to having a need to have. And here's what I, I can and can't do in this season that I really can't offer you. I can't look up these therapist referrals for you. Absolutely. The thing that comes up for me around grief is being in some of these online social media groups and just mm. seeing like people are really open and talking about that. For instance, um, lots of folks that are in the private practice world and, and maybe in other settings, I'm not sure the GFE has mm -hmm. came out and a lot of therapists I've seen say like, I'm going to leave the field. Like, how do you add on this, like one additional piece to us I know. when really like we already have this, we already have a fee agreement. We're already yeah. telling people what they're paying. Right. And in a time where it just feels like therapists are holding so much, it's just one more piece. So I think there is some grief in that the mental health landscape is changing. Yeah. What's required of us as therapists is changing. We've seen it in our own community where, you know, for a long time, we've talked about this parallel process of going through COVID and then holding it for clients. Yeah. And now we have these fires that happened and we weren't, you know, near the fires. Certainly it was Abby's community at one point, mm -hmm. but still like going through that in your community and then holding it for clients. Yeah. And it's really expanded my view to folks who live in, you know, tornado yeah. areas or tropical storms, or I'm even thinking the recent hostage situation with um, the Jewish community and it was in Texas. And right. Like if you are a therapist of Jewish faith in that area and that happened, like you're holding that and seeing clients. Mm -hmm. yeah. In thinking about this episode, I started um, on the way here, like listing all the reasons we have to grieve. And there's something even now listening to you, it feels so heavy. Like it's just so sad. Mm -hmm. And in no way, uh, like the math doesn't add up. It makes no sense. And we have to learn to be with it. And, I, and I'm and i thinking about, and this is for some levity. I mean, it's actually really sad too, but Betty White died. Yeah. Okay. Oh. So very sad. Yeah. Uh, and personally, I didn't have a relationship with Betty White. I kind of like love the idea of her mm -hmm. and her legacy. And, but I noticed when she died, I mean, she was almost a hundred. Yeah. And- like the memes about, oh, like, of course, and Betty White died. Yeah. <laughs> like as if it meant something to a narrative and nothing will ever get better. Or of course, I don't deserve good things mm -hmm. or hope is all lost or like whatever that is mm -hmm. that we can all fall into. Yeah. Like grief actually has nothing to do with you. Right. It's outside of our, it's outside of us. And yet our mind wants to make sense. I was sitting with a little guy recently and we were talking about that, how your brain just wants to make sense of things. Look how wise your brain is, mm -hmm. right? But we can form these inaccurate narratives. And I find that that intersectionality of grief and like negative cognitions for mm -hmm. EMDR speak um, is coming up for all of us. Like as a parent, I relate to that. Like, oh, here's another thing. And you're like, well, actually this is, my kid just is tired and like crappy has nothing to do with me not deserving rest. Yeah. Right. But it feels so related. So I'm curious with clinicians, like the GFE very much felt that way. Mm -hmm. Like another thing, can society or this God, can someone just give us a break? Yeah. When it, it has nothing to do with deservingness, right? So no. Yeah. It's interesting. I had one person that's a therapist say to me like, 
well, actually, I don't think the GFE is all bad. Like, I actually think it's really helpful for clients. And it was like, oh, <laughs> there's somebody else to hold a separate narrative. Yes, right. And it's yeah. nice, even just one person to be able to hold yeah. another side to this narrative. Right? It just cannot be one-sided. No, I guess that's what I'm asking my husband for is like, actually, I need to have conversation that reinforce another narrative that there is so much good in the world still. Mm -hmm. And we need that as therapists. Like, where do you go to like reinforce truth or, and for some people that could be their faith, it could be nature, it could be, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. um, nourishing relationships, but needing that while holding how hard it is to be a clinician right now. I mean, this is just unreal in some way. Yeah, <laughs> it's it is. like, whoa. Yeah. yeah, it is. Well, I'm also thinking, you know, I really, as as many therapists have said, and I think can relate when I say like, I'm just so Zoomed and online out. And so I find myself not wanting to do trainings that are offered online. And I um, took this training with Paris Goodyear Brown and it was, I'm going to be getting my RPTS soon. And so it, there were certainly things that were wonderful reminders. And, you know, some of the topics were like how to set up a playroom, like I'm beyond that. However, there were these other just like a lovely strategies that just mm. felt rejuvenating. Yeah. Like, oh, this is some hope that I have. Like, I can try something different. It feels like sometimes grief, you're like in quicksand. Right. It's just this like slow right. sinking. Yeah. And so how do you just begin to like reach for something that can pull you out? Yeah. And for me, that's trainings. Trainings mm. always rejuvenate me. They always bring energy. And I feel like, oh, yeah, I can keep going. Yeah. And I, I have to believe also that that translates to my clients. You know, the week after I'm with my clients and they're, especially with the kid clients, right? They're, their whole being and the way they interacted in my room was very different. Well, I do have to out you about how many Amazon packages came into the office. Oh my God. Kelly did so this training. And then like I was with a client and since I, I have one space in your space, an office, and we heard all this beeping in the waiting room. And it was all these packages coming and it was just so silly. Uh, <laughs> our other sweet mate, Rachel, she was like, Kelly, it looks like Christmas. <laughs> I just was like, I need to buy all the things, <laughs> which also could be grief, right? I'm totally. thinking about dopamine. You're right. <laughs> yeah. When my grandmother's sister passed away, this was many, many years ago. My grandmother is no longer with us. She told me she went out and spent gobs of money on clothes yeah. and never wore them. Hmm. Right. So I have to believe that while like this training was uplifting, there was also this piece of me that's like, oh, bye, bye, bye. I'm just going to feel so good. <laughs> And poor Abby's listening to me and um, uh, Abby's doing a really good job of not buy, buy, buying right now. Oh my gosh. Well, no, we're doing a financial fast and it <laughs> is so hard. And thankfully we're recording this at the end of January. It's almost over. And I did buy coffee today because my coffee machine wasn't working at home and I justified it. It's very challenging. I didn't realize how much I buy things mm. for that like quick input of like, oh, Something's coming, even for work. Yes. So we always do that, or we try to every January. But yeah, and I and I'm even looking around your space, Kelly, and I'm thinking about how I have this like massive six or seven foot locker in the car right now that we're gonna bring in yeah. for my office, and we're taking a bookshelf down from yours, and 
That is one way that I regulate through grief in this season is just switching up my space. Mm -hmm. I do that at my house. I'm painting three different rooms right now. Wow. And uh, it's kind of like how I'm reading eight books, right? Like you're just like, no, kind of feel like doing this color today. And my partner just puts up with it. He's quite (laughs) lovely. (laughs) I just need to remember that I can. That I can move a bookshelf out or in, that there's lots of, there's so much aliveness, even with the heaviness. I use this with the, with the supervisee about a separate issue, but actually grief related, this tension between being rooted and needing to be rooted and also the longing and need to roam. Mm. And, and in between those two things, here we are. Yeah. And I feel like being rooted can feel like being stuck Mm -hmm. with grief. Mm Mm-hmm. But if we can still find space to roam, then maybe we can grow a little bit. I don't know. Well, I'm I'm even thinking of like a flower and it being rooted mm-hmm. and parts of it, like the pollen going mm. and roaming, right? So there is a part of you that's rooted and there is a part of you that can leave and roam. And so how do you do both of those? Yeah. So clever, those plants, how they spread their genes. <laughs> yeah. So unassuming. <laughs> like. Yeah. Well, I mean, Hmm. I like have this picture of the bumblebee, like a client, right? And the client is just like taking this little pollen from you. And then there's these like spread or ripples. Oh yeah. I was listening to, um, I forget his name, but we can link it in the show notes. This guy who's, uh, has a fascination with plants on a podcast. And he was talking about how the bee thinks that it's getting away with something by, by going to all these apples and getting the nectar but the tree has like doused it in pollen all over it. Oh. So the tree is actually getting its way yeah. by spreading its genes all over the world. Yeah. And how as people, we think that we're in charge by ordering all these seeds. This is where I'm at with starting my, I'm far too early and I don't care. I'm just going to start my garden now Yeah. seed starting. And here I am thinking I'm in charge by ordering seeds, but actually like maybe the plant is getting its way because it's spreading mm. all over the community. And it was just this really sweet idea of like, I don't know if we're actually in charge. Maybe the plants are more in charge of us. And so I think of that with, with clients, a reciprocity yeah, right, that they get from us and we give to them and mm-hmm. they give to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think something that we talked about wanting to share just in in talking about like how hard this work is. I was telling Abby that on New Year's Eve, I was at this kind of smaller house gathering party. And number one, like we said, like Abby and I both are people that just really have a hard time with small talk. (laughs) I really define myself as an introvert. And we've talked about this on the podcast that most people just don't believe that. Like you're not an introvert. The way I define it is, is that if I am meeting new people or in a group of people I don't know, it's highly painful inside for me. Like, I feel like there's just this grinding that's happening and I will do everything I can to avoid it. Yeah. So as it was, I'm going to this place that I was like, man, there's going to be all these people there. I don't know. Like, I have to like go through like, what am I going to talk about? I have to like give myself a pep talk. I remember in my early 20s, I had a dear friend and he told me, you know, Kelly, everyone's just as afraid as you are. So all you have to do is be the first person to go in the room and say, hey, I'm Kelly. Hmm. And and that's what I do. I like hold him in my mind every time I go into a new situation. Yeah. So thankfully, I didn't have to do too much small talk for most of the night. But at some point, I got caught in the corner by the fridge. <laughs> And I ended up in this conversation for a really long time. And it was lovely. It just, it doesn't feel good physically for me. Like it's very draining. Yeah. 
Um, so I'm trying to get out of this conversation. The other thing that Abby and I were talking about is we both will do whatever we can to not let people know we're therapists. No, don't tell anyone. Yeah, yeah don't ever. Not my kids' teachers, nobody, not yeah. friends. <laughs> it's actually funny. My two other girlfriends, uh, they're LCSWs, and we go to California every year. And we mm. always are like, all right, what's your profession? And we have like the fun, you know, like a railroad conductor, uh, a stocking night shift manager. and um, Yeah. So yeah, we just can't, we just don't (laughs) want to. So anyways, I always make sure I focus the conversation on other people. Like, what do you do? And tell me about your job. I'm very curious. So like it stays away from me, but somehow this girl, she entered into the conversation with me and the guy and there was just a a moment of pause and I knew it. I was like, Oh Kelly, you got to keep talking. (laughs) And I just had nothing left in me. And she's like, we haven't even asked what you do. Oh no. And I was like, Oh, so I was like, oh, I'm, I'm actually a therapist. And, and then, you know, it's like, wow, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So thankfully, shortly after that, I somehow got out of that conversation and then began to like call an Uber to get home. And the guy I had been talking to before I left kind of came down the stairs and really like on a mission and was like, <laughs> hey, I, I wanted you to know that I went to school to be a therapist. Mm. And I, he's like, I just, I couldn't handle it. It was so, so hard. Yeah. And he's like, I just have so much admiration and respect for those that like get in the field, can stay in the field, can hold that. He's like, cause he has, it's truly really difficult to hold all of those stories. Yeah. And I think I can speak for you. Let me know if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Abby and I've had conversations where for much of our career, it's just push through. Yep. Oh yeah. And when I really sit and reflect on what he said, I'm like, he's right. Like if I didn't have this coping skill that I developed as a child about like just push through, ignore, 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 Mm -hmm. I may not have made it either. It is really hard. And so I think that's what we're just wanting to acknowledge is there there can be some grief coming into this field of like, I thought the field was going to be this way. Yes. And it's not. Or there can be shame of like, I'm supposed to be able to hold this and I can't. If you're listening for all of us, unless you're like, a hundred years old. (laughs) This is our first pandemic. When was the Spanish flu? Wasn't that like early 1900s? I don't think it was when we were alive. If that's That's what what, well, that's, I'm just making sure I'm not offending any old person. That's a clinician still practicing. That's listening. Yeah. uh, Which is likely not any of you. So it's all of our first time practicing through a pandemic, but gosh, like if you are in school right now, that is just, I can only imagine what it is like to be learning this on Zoom, Mm -hmm. for example, the last two years, Mm -hmm. or to be graduated and then embracing the field in such a state now. Mm -hmm. It's just a quite unique thing in and of itself Mm -hmm. on top of the reality that this profession is hard. It requires kind of that sink or swim idea, regulate and get your people and nourish yourself or, or take a break. Yeah. Like I have a dear friend who's taking a break from the field because she needs to mm-hmm. as a parent and a therapist and good. Like there's no shame in that. But if you are still here practicing, we want to hold, this is really hard and it can be good. So there's that duality again with grief. Like this is hard and makes no sense. And we will not try to make sense of it. Really? This just shouldn't be happening. We shouldn't have a pandemic. Right. The town nearby should not burn down. Yeah. Like all these tragedies should not be. And we will not tell you it happened for a reason. It did not. Yeah. There is no reason. And we can find goodness in continuing on 
in this profession. And I guess that's what, if I put myself in the position of being a newer therapist or just being a therapist that doesn't have like a Kelly sidekick, like that's what (laughs) I would want to hear is like, oh, I'm not alone in my experience. Mm -hmm. This is really hard. And I think that there's this lovely passage that really kind of ties us in and Mm-hmm. Again, wanting to move into some structure for season three of of ending or beginning or just integrating some more mindfulness into these podcasts. So we just want to leave you with this. Yeah. So this blessing is from Kate Bowler, who's a wonderful speaker, teacher, writer, who I just admire so much as she speaks on grief. And so we want to leave you with this blessing. If you're driving, please don't close your eyes. Um, If you are doing laundry, you know, open your eyes as needed. But if you're in a place to take a minute and just sit with these words, um, just kind of notice what comes up. And if there's any phrase or essence of it that you want to carry with you, it's called a blessing for the life you have. Blessed are you who hold hope with an open hand. You who try not to fix your gaze on time's far horizon or get drunk on what might yet be. And blessed are you who avoid walking too far down memory lane, getting stuck wondering if that was as good as it gets, if you've peaked or feeling resentful about all that has disappointed before. Blessed are you who know that sometimes you need to stay right here, at least for a minute. Blessed are you who look wide-eyed, maybe timidly, at the present moment, gazing at those things that are gently, actually within the reach of your fingertips. Blessed are you amid the ordinary details that define what life is for you right now. And as you see them, greet them, each one, as you smile and call them by name. Everyday joys, small pleasures, birds chirping, cat cuddles, a cold glass of water, a little child calling your name, the breeze on your cheeks, the ocean rhythm, the perfect pillow, the kindness of a friend, loves that are and were and ever will be. May they seem even lovelier, even more delicious because they've become gifts offered anew. May gratitude fill you reaching all of the spaces within you that disappointment left behind and fear has gripped. May something rise in your heart that feels like a strange new kind of contentment. Because this isn't what you had planned, but it surprises you that even here it can be good, satisfying, in a way that you know you can come back to, a place that can sustain you through whatever may come. Blessed are you, Finding that life is good because it is enough. Mm. 